Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good morning. Good morning to you, Bill. A wonderful <laughs> Wednesday of seminars this past week. So congratulations oh, to you. I'm glad that's folks all. were getting off the year on getting off on a right step. On a good but that's, that's for right. sure. It's always a lot of fun for me to do our seminars, and I, and we had a good one. So um, that's that, that's an important step for folks to l- learn about things like that, um, and it can be extremely helpful. I, you know, I I would encourage folks. Uh, you know, they miss this one. Uh, our next one will be the second Wednesday in February, and would encourage folks uh, who are disappointed that they missed this one that that uh, they go ahead and sign up for next month uh, because they're, they're getting, you know, the seminars are popular and, and truthfully they are very, very important for folks. Now, at this point, uh, I guess, um, you know, we've only been into January a couple of weeks at this <laughs> point. <laughs> um, and so our resolution should still be intact. I hope so. Well, I mean, for most of us, I would say there, there's uh, at least uh, the, at this point, no one should have given up on, on their resolutions. And, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't restate that uh, one of the resolutions that all of us should have is to, to get our legal documents in order. Uh, yada yada <laughs> and uh, that's an important step that that most folks like to procrastinate and put off and put off and put off and and so for, for a lot of folks they put it off for so long they never get it done and then they then they're in trouble um, and the the sad news is is that we don't know if and when those documents are going to be critical uh, to us. And so having them is a whole lot better than not having them. Absolutely. Um, Now, um, you know, another piece that I have uh, stated about resolutions is that not to try to do it all in one gulp. I mean, if you need to lose 20 pounds, you're not going to do it in a week. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be able to run a marathon if you haven't been out there practicing, and and uh, you know you got to start slow and build up, and it, and that's true in just about everything. If you take on a project, you can't get to the finish line without taking ten different steps uh, to get there, and and sometimes the best way to actually accomplish an objective is to take it in small steps. You know that is really critical. Well, uh, recently I read an an article that was consistent with statistics that I was familiar with, but it reminded me of what poor financial shape so many folks are in. Uh, And all I was doing was looking at statistics about how much savings people have. And this is where it gets really um, sad for an awful lot of folks. But the, the, the fact is that half of us as Americans have no savings at all. Wow. Half. That's incredible. <laughs> now, 
that is pretty scary when you think about it. Uh, and that includes seniors. Uh, it includes uh, millennials and Gen Xers and the, the whole bit. But the, when you think about uh, how, um, you know, uh, how so many folks have no savings at all, and actually the percentage um, across all age groups um, is 48%. Uh, and and that's zero zippo, <laughs> and so in now a percentage of those are folks that do have uh, a a, a, um, a retirement uh, annuity of some sort, you know, where a, you know like teachers and police officers and and government workers uh, have a retirement check that comes in, but. A large percentage of those folks have no savings, but they do have some income. And then Social Security. So it tells you that a high percentage of seniors are, what, living off of Social Security with no backup, no nest egg. You know, uh, I think it was last year I was talking about the fact that most people don't don't have the ability to actually pay for just a, a small crisis, a $400 crisis, and, and people are having to borrow money in order to get through it. Well, that's a, a statistic that's very consistent with the fact that most families don't have any savings at all. Um, and then, um, even the, the median nest egg, which another statistic, uh, is only about $5,000. Well, I mean, when you consider that so many have no nest egg at all, that brings it, it down. Uh, now, the top 10% typically have a nest egg exceeding a million dollars, but that means 90% of us aren't doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's the kind of thing where um, what I like to tell folks is that you have to have certain buckets for investing. You know, it's not a matter of just thinking about all of whatever you have as one bucket to, to uh, invest a certain way. Um, you need a safety bucket that's normally savings, you know, in the bank, perfectly safe, and, uh, you know, different folks will tell you different things, but what you're really doing is, is you want that nest egg to be there to cover you in the event that you have a crisis uh, so that you don't have to worry about going out and selling your investment, your equities and mutual funds and things like that. You, you have money in the bank. Uh, that can cover you in a case of a crisis where you can't work or you have some other kind of long-term care crisis or the like, and you have to reach into your bucket in order to make sure you have enough money to to live. Uh, well, that's one bucket, and, and that's your first bucket that you got to fill up. And then after that, you can have an investment bucket because most seniors should have a savings bucket and have an investment bucket where they do take some risk in that bucket so that they can grow their investments because 
most people are living longer than they expect to live, and there's no one who wants to run out of money. Um, we don't want to be a burden on our children. We don't want to run out of money. And so guess what? we got to have savings. And now, so for those folks who have very little savings, you got to start out at some point and take the first step <laughs> towards making sure that you start a savings plan. So if if you don't have savings or if your savings aren't where they should be, and, and we all know who you are, you know who you are, uh, then you have to take those steps. And so the question is, how do you get there? So uh, I know we need to take a break in a second. So when we come back, I want to share with folks some of the steps that are helpful. They're small steps in terms of helping folks to save who are not accustomed to saving. And if you are already on a savings plan, um, congratulations to you. And maybe some of these tips will help you save a little more because the more you can save, the better. That's right. Everyone can learn something new and a new tactic that may help them out a little bit. I want to encourage everyone. Bill mentioned the seminar coming up in February. If you did not attend the one this past Wednesday, you can uh, go online to register for free. Go to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. There you can register for Bill's free seminars happening on Wednesday, February 12th. You can also call the office 919-256-7000. 2567000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. are listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, you just shared some alarming savings statistics with us, but uh, there's hope. You're giving us some uh, some easy steps here that we can all act upon to get into the savings game. Well, exactly. Okay, so uh, here are a, a number of, of small steps that folks can make. And the first one is a no-brainer. It's, it's uh, consistent with estate planning and legal planning and financial planning and all that stuff. Plan ahead. And by planning ahead, that basically means to put some time and effort in thinking about how you want to save, how much you want to save, uh, and how you're going to get there. And, and so a plan is always really important. Writing it down, having goals, um, makes a huge difference. Um, that uh, can, you know, if you have goals and you've set uh, goals for yourself in a plan that you've written down, you can look at it every few months and say, okay, am I, uh, am I really accomplishing what I've set out to do? Do I need to do more? Have I done a better job than I thought I would? Uh, if so, that's fabulous. But for most of us, this is a, a, a situation where it's two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back, because the fact is is that there are always going to be things that 
interfere. <laughs> and the more you can reduce that interference, the better. But fact is, there are a lot of things that, that you can't com- fully com- control. I mean, let's say you're on a savings plan and then your car breaks down and it's going to cost you $500. And that's $500 that might have gone into your savings account, but you you can't not get your car fixed. You got to get to work, <laughs> you know. So what I'm getting at is with any plan, you're going to have steps backward. And so, but you want more steps forward than, than backward. And so you just have to recognize that that's part of life. And uh, hopefully you'll have lots of steps forward and few steps backwards. But the fact is, is that all of us have those we have to step back occasionally because things don't just go perfectly. You know, who, whoever has a life that's perfect. Right? Yeah, it never goes that way. And despite the plans, you got to be ready to adjust. Uh, right. Okay. So that's number one. What's number two is set a, a goal that's high enough to make a difference. <laughs> you know, so in, in essence, you got to save enough money to make a difference. I mean, if you just said, okay, I'm going to save a penny a month, that's not going to get you anywhere. So you have to have – so how much do you think is enough? And, of course, this would depend to some degree on how old you are and what's your your goal towards your retirement nest egg. Are you already retired? Um, but a, a, a pretty good number to throw out for a lot of folks would be 15%. That would be a difficult number for most folks in terms of savings. So I would say in terms of being realistic, somewhere between 10 and 15% of your income, you should try your best to save on a regular basis. Now, hopefully, if you work, you know, there, there, are, there is a percentage of folks that work for an employer with an employer match. Uh, and obviously, you should take full advantage of any f- full f- employer match uh, to your income because that's just uh, free money uh, that you, you got to take advantage of those kinds of things. Uh, that's a huge thing. Uh, there are an awful lot of employers out there that match three or four percent of your earnings, and that gets you halfway to where you're trying to get to uh, if you have an employer match. Uh, but you still need to save more than that, and that's what a lot of folks don't realize. You can't plan on spending the rest of your income other than what you're putting back in a retirement account. You need a savings that go beyond your retirement account. Savings now. Uh, if you you know, could you put it into a Roth IRA as even though that's technically a retirement account, but it's it's not the same kind of retirement account. There's no income tax when you pull it out, and so sure, a Roth that would would be a great opportunity to uh, increase that side of savings that you need that that's um, not taxable when you pull it out. Okay, so what? Uh, how do we get to that ten to fifteen percent? I mean, because for a lot of folks, that's a hard number to get to. And so, the first thing you have to do this is this is where this planning comes in because you got to figure out first 
it's easy to figure out how much income you have going coming in. But what you have to do is figure out where's your money going. You know, it's so easy for it just to simply evaporate. (laughs) And so if you don't know where your money's going, that's a problem. Uh, If you don't have a budget, that's a problem. So you got to have a budget. You got to know where every penny is going. That that is huge because when you figure that out, then you can prioritize how your money is being spent, and you can see those opportunities for saving money. Um, I, I mean, and there are a lot of opportunities when it and it comes to that uh, things like that. Maybe you go out to eat more often than you need to or you should. Uh, Maybe uh, by taking your lunch to work as opposed to going out and buying lunch on the market because it's hard to get a lunch out today for less than eight, nine, ten dollars. That's a lot of money when you're when you're spending it every day, uh, every working day. And could you? prepare a meal to take with you for two or three dollars most of us could most of us have leftovers from the night before that we could take uh, to eat with us uh, maybe we go to the movie theater too often you know it's really expensive <laughs> I was not telling you last week about our experience going to the movie theater um, uh, I mean it's hard to go to the movie theater today and not spend forty dollars for two people I mean most people probably spend more than that it just mm-hmm. blows my mind how expensive it is um, but and I'm not saying don't go to the movie I'm just saying maybe you go more often than you should you know there there are alternative uh, to um, entertainment uh, that all young people know about. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is when you identify where your money is going, you also are identifying places where you could pull back on spending so much for certain things and then designate that uh, for savings, which can be uh, important. Because there's a whole big difference between needs, particularly essential needs, and wants. And the craziest thing in my book is to go out and borrow money on anything that is not absolutely essential. You know, from my perspective, uh, credit cards should only be used for those things that you're going to pay off at the end of the month. They should never be used because you can't afford to buy something that you want to buy. Uh, you know, yes, most people do need to borrow money uh, to buy a home uh, and, to, and to purchase a vehicle. You know, I get that, you know, because most of us don't have the out-of-pocket money just to go out there and pay cash for stuff like that. But it's the kind of thing where once you get past the house and the car, you really need to limit or totally eliminate borrowing altogether. Now, But I'm not saying using a credit card is wrong. It's simply a matter of making sure that you have the money that you can pay off 
In other words, you're using your credit card to basically manage your money rather than to manage your wants. <laughs> so it's reducing wants and getting it down to what do you really need? What are those essentials that you have to have? Um, so that's that's a big part. And then the next step is is the real guts of the plan, and that is after you've identified the places where you can cut – to actually do it, to <laughs> cut those things and to, and to change your life in some small steps that will accomplish your goals. But they're your goals. They're not my goals. They're yours. You know, you have to establish these goals, write them down, and then figure out how you can uh, actually uh, do that. Um, and, uh, you know, and then there's some techniques with that, you know. One way uh, is to not use your credit card. Now, I, I like the use of that I book up because I manage it. But for some folks, a credit card is dangerous. Uh, and if you're if that's the case, then don't use your credit card. Do go to a cash only basis. Now, for seniors, I would never tell you to do that because there are other reasons why I don't want you to do that. But but for those folks who are trying to start a savings plan, a cash uh, basis uh, works for a lot of, lot of folks. And then don't make any purchase uh, over a certain amount, like $50, on the spur of the moment. In other words, it, it, you know, sleep on it before you spend that kind of money. Uh, because more than likely it's a want and not a need. And if you can, you know, think about it and say, mm, maybe that's not really something that's essential. I, I could do without it. Uh, that uh, uh, is, is a big part of it. And then, of course, a big expense for so many folks is dining out. I mean, uh, going to a restaurant is a very expensive proposition. Even going to a... a uh, um, you, you know, a fast food restaurant is not cheap, but going to any other kind of restaurant is even more expensive. And truthfully, those are dollars that you can reduce significantly. I'm not saying to anybody that you shouldn't go out occasionally. It's just that you can reduce how much you go out significantly and save those dollars. Um, another place that folks can trim is subscriptions. You know, most most subscriptions are uh, truthfully um, unnecessary. You know, there are other ways to get that without having to pay for it, uh, as most folks know. Um, and, you know, obviously that would result in saving more. All of these are just small steps, and it takes time to figure out how you're going to do it. You can't just start without a plan. But this is something all of us could do. Yeah, a bunch of small little modifications <coughs> or changes to our lifestyle can add up mm -hmm. to some big changes in the form of savings. But we've got to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.
News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong, and thank you for joining us. Bill, we've spent much of the morning so far talking about savings, and you shared some uh, scary statistics with us, uh, one of which being 50% of us have absolutely zero savings, which is very, very scary. But you, you perked us up, Bill. You gave us a game plan and some small tweaks that we can make to um, – change that and to more effectively save. And I know you have a message that you want to get out for our seniors. Listening. Well, I do, because if you will recall, one of the things I said now, I don't, uh, I recommend to seniors that they not use cash. Uh, and there there are several reasons why. Uh, but the, the first one is, it's really important for seniors to be able to follow your money. Well, guess what? If you're using cash, you can't follow the money. Now, there's another percentage in here that's really important, too, for seniors to recognize, and that is that uh, seniors are um, far more likely to have a long-term care risk. And uh, one of the reasons I recommend folks come to my seminars on long-term care planning is because most middle-class families can receive financial assistance if they have a real crisis uh, with long-term care. If they need nursing care, it is highly likely that we can help you receive Medicaid, which is a very, very important benefit that's available uh, to seniors. Um, now, with that said, one of the rules as it relates to applying for Medicaid is being able to follow the money. And if a senior is using cash for everything and you can't follow the money, it's very difficult to get an application approved because they assume that your cash is being used for inappropriate things like going to your children and grandchildren, which is what they're trying to avoid with the Medicaid um, application or Medicaid eligibility. So, uh, and of course, uh, there are other reasons too, because one of the things that I tell folks uh, uh, in terms of their uh, nest egg, which is really important to seniors, is that uh, a couple of the most important tools that can be used to make sure that you're safe as a senior is to freeze your credit and to allow a trusted family member to review your statements each month to make sure that there's not funky things coming out of your account. And again, uh, so I would tell you, cash is to be avoided for seniors for that reason, because it's extremely helpful to be able to follow the money. Um, now, for, for other folks, not so much, but when you get up there, and I'm not talking about the AARP definition of seniors. You know how young that is? You're probably a senior already, Jason. <laughs> you know, I got my first letter at age 50. I was truly offended. <laughs> but that's what it takes to be an AARP member. So I'm not using that definition. So uh, basically, the, the, the new definition of a senior is 74 by AARP standards, but they still send you that letter when you turn 50. So yeah, it's a bit of a shocker. It's, it's all different for us, but uh, yeah, it does, it does get you, doesn't it? Okay, one other thing for seniors. With the new 
law that was just passed by Congress in December, uh, which was effective January the 1st of this year. So it's already the law of the land. Uh, seniors, number one, do not have to take any money out of their retirement accounts until age 72. So they increased the age for required minimum distributions from 70 and a half to age 72. And that's the law right now. Um, Secondly, and this is another important uh, for those seniors that are still trying to save or reduce their taxes, they uh, eliminated the bar to seniors uh, contributing to an IRA. So even if you have a big retirement account, uh, if you have income, uh, you can you can still contribute the maximum limits each year uh, to your retirement account, even though you're already 71, 72, 75, 80. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You can continue to um, to contribute to uh, your, your retirement accounts, if you wish, without any problem whatsoever. And both of those are important for seniors to know. Yeah, because it affects so much. And uh, it's good to know that seniors have just a, a little bit more flexibility when it comes to their retirement accounts and when they would like to use them. Right. Well, Bill, we're going to take a quick break here. I want to remind everyone that if you're in the camp of folks who are uh, seniors and you know you heard Bill's message about uh, making sure that you're, you're not holding on to that cash and you know where your money is going and you can prove where your money is going, you can find more tips like that at Bill's free seminars. You can go online to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com to register for free for the next seminar. You can also call 919 256 7,000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here, along with Bill Alexander, and covered a lot of topics today, particularly in the realm of savings, Bill. But we're going to shift gears a little bit here. And in, in my notes, I see two steps forward and one step back. Well, and that's important for folks to understand. And truthfully, as we get older, the the steps back can be more often than the steps forward. And so it's important to understand what are some of those disasters that can actually get in in the way. Um, and, and when I talk about disasters, I am not talking about floods and hurricanes and tornadoes, which obviously those are, are, are horrible disasters for families. But those things that can affect and do affect all of us or can affect all of us at times. So what, what are some of those disasters? Well, the first one we talk about in our seminars, and that's what if you have a long-term care crisis and need nursing care? Well, clearly, if it's you, then that puts you in a high risk of running out of money. 
And the same is true if it's your spouse. It's really scary for spouses that are in good health trying to take care of a spouse who's in bad health or that has to go to a nursing home or just needs help at home because, you know, home health is so expensive. And so those are huge disasters uh, uh, waiting to happen. So obviously... If you have a long-term care insurance policy, that's great. It gives you far more options. But unfortunately, the greatest percentage of us have chosen not to have long-term care, either because it wasn't available to us, we weren't healthy enough, or it was just too expensive for us. But the reason long-term care insurance seems to be expensive is because when the crisis happens, it is an extremely expensive uh, situation uh, for families, and, and it can basically just blow everything uh, up financially. Now, the alternative to that, which is not a perfect alternative, but it's a good alternative for a lot of families, and that's what my law practice focuses on, is if you find yourself in a long-term care crisis, you should immediately, not two years, three years down the road when you're running out of money, but when you see the, the emergency occurring in front of you, take steps right then to change your legal plan and to change your financial plan. That is the most important time to get advice. But, you know, sadly, so many families think that help is not available to them, so they don't take those steps for a year or two after they've spent an awful lot of their money that they don't have to spend necessarily. So it's not always the best solution. The best solution is for those families that have long-term care insurance, but most of us don't have it. And for those who don't, you really need to take quick action. Well, an, another disaster that uh, can occur is one that I'm worried about right now, and that is uh, a huge fall in the stock market, you know, a bear market, if you will. Uh, these are scary times, uh, and of course, uh, we've, we've seen uh, the market be very successful over the last 10 years over time. But uh, obviously, this is why it's so important for folks to have a bucket of savings that will get you by for a year, hopefully, uh, without having to sell stocks or mutual funds. Because if, if you're in the market at the wrong time and there is a collapse, it gives time for those stocks to rebound. Uh, and so you don't have to sell. Uh, that's really important. And obviously, if you can pull back during a scary time to where you have less money in equities and, and more in bonds or cash, uh, you know, that's called timing the market, which most financial advisors will tell you is impossible to do. But there, you can at least do that to some limited degree, and it can be extremely helpful. Of course, the other issue is medical problems. You know, uh, the, you know the the biggest reason for bankruptcy today for seniors is what 
medical. Yep. Uh, that's that's the biggest reason because the hospital bill and the doctor bills are so high, you know, they don't really have much of a choice under those circumstances. So obviously you want to keep your medical insurance in place. If you're a senior, you've got uh, Medicare. Plus, if you can, you should have supplemental insurance of some or Medigap uh that goes a long way to keep you from having those uh, huge bills. And Medicare is getting a little better each year, so particularly when it comes to prescription drugs and things like that. And then, of course, the last thing is something we were talking about in terms of savings, and that is overspending. And that can be true for seniors, too, particularly when they first retire, because what do they want to do if they haven't done it already? They want to have fun. I don't blame them. I agree with that to a limited degree. You have a bucket list. You want to get it done. You want to do those things while you can. And I'm in favor of it as long as you keep the long-term goal in place where you know that when you finished, you're having your fun, that you've got plenty of money uh, to take care of, of those foreseeable needs. Uh, that's really important for folks because you don't want to start bagging groceries when you're 75. <laughs> so don't overspend. Those are just some disasters that are avoidable to some degree. Sometimes they're not. And when they're not, getting that good advice means all the difference in the world. Yeah, it does make a huge difference, and it's something that, uh, again, is is easy to access because Bill offers free seminars when it comes to long-term care assistance. You can go online to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. You can also call the office, 919-256-7000, There you can go uh, and register for Bill's February seminars. This, this will be on Wednesday, February 12th. Bill has two seminars that focus on long-term care assistance, uh, which we've discussed. And he also has a seminar based on asset protection and trust planning. You can find more information again at WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. He's Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you for joining us this morning. And Bill, we're uh, almost out of time here, but uh, we did want to talk a little bit about you've got a technique to help out when it comes to a step up in income tax basis. Right. Now, obviously, this uh, is designed for those folks who like trusts and they like asset protection. Uh, and th there are families out there uh, that uh, like the concept of creating an irrevocable trust. And you can create an irrevocable uh, asset protection trust for your spouse uh, while you're alive. And you can't do it for yourself in North Carolina. There are other states like Tennessee and Nevada and Alaska where you can actually do one of those trusts for yourself. But in North Carolina... You can create one for your spouse, and it, it also gives you opportunities to create multiple times for a step-up in basis for your beneficiary, so for your spouse and or children. 
how do you do that? You use, and this is where you want to talk to your estate planning attorney, like us, or uh, your CPA in terms of how you make it work, but you use what's called a power of appointment. And for instance, you could create a trust for the benefit of your spouse and for the benefit of your children and for the benefit of your parents if they're still alive. Well, if you give your parent a power of appointment in an irrevocable trust that's structured properly, then upon the parent's death, there's a step up in income tax basis, which your spouse could then utilize to sell some of your legacy holdings, some of your legacy stock or legacy real estate without having to pay any income tax. That's huge when you can do that. Now, obviously, there'll be a step up uh, when you die, or there can be. There can be a step up when your spouse dies for the benefit of your children. But you can actually increase those step ups by, by having powers of appointment properly put into your irrevocable trust. This is something that I talk a little bit about in my seminar on trusts and asset protection. But income taxes are important to all of us, and any time we can use ways to save on income tax, that's a good thing. Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing. And if you want to register for Bill's seminar in February, that's on February 12th, the second Wednesday of the month, you can go online to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. There you can register again for free and get wonderful tips like this that Bill has provided today. And it's just an invaluable resource. If you do want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, you can also go online to WGALaw.com or call 919-256- 7,000, 919-256-7,000. We're out of time for today. We've got to get out of here, but we hope you'll join us again next Saturday at 11. It's Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful weekend.